This program is brought to you by the Practicing Law Institute, a nonprofit learning organization dedicated to keeping attorneys, professionals, and accountants at the forefront of knowledge and expertise. A lot of people that I talk to are less long-term goal-oriented and more concerned with just getting a job, just getting a job that will pay them and is a legal job. I think nobody wants to be the person who has graduated law school and is looking for a job facing mountains and mountains of debt after graduation. The COVID-19 pandemic has undoubtedly changed the recruiting landscape for law students, presenting both challenges and some surprising opportunities. We'll talk about what it's like for law students who are searching for entry-level positions today on Insecurities. Hello, and welcome to the Insecurities Podcast, helping you stay current on the latest securities, regulatory, and enforcement developments with a practitioner's perspective on the stories you should be following. As always, I'm Chris Ekimoff, and I'm here with my co-host, Kurt Wolf. It's good to be with you, Chris. This week on Insecurities, we're stepping away from our usual focus on securities regulation to talk about a topic that is top of mind for many lawyers, law firm recruiters, and law school students, recruiting. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the game for law students. The recruiting process is vastly different, interviews are virtual, offers are being deferred, and bar exams around the country have experienced a series of well-publicized hiccups. Chris, as the resident lawyer on the podcast, and as someone who entered big law around the time of the Great Recession, this topic really hits home for me. Today, we want to give our listeners a glimpse at some of the challenges law students face while searching for a job during the pandemic. We were fortunate to spend some time with several third-year law students and a couple recent grads to get their take on the recruiting landscape. We also sat down with career counselors from the George Washington University Law School, the Howard University School of Law, and the University of Richmond School of Law. We want to start today's episode with some quotations from our conversations with those current law students and recent grads. Then we'll shift gears and let you listen in on our conversation with the career counselors who are helping those students find their way. We kicked off the conversation with our panel of job seekers with a basic question. What's the hardest part of looking for a job during the pandemic? Hi, my name is Elizabeth Rice, and I'm a 3L at Howard University School of Law in Washington, D.C. For me, the hardest part about looking for a job during the pandemic is kind of looking at the available options and then fitting the application process into my already hectic schedule. Because deadlines are kind of all over the place, with the pandemic um, coming up. Usually there's a private OCI in the fall semester and then public interest in late fall, early spring. But because jobs aren't on like a strict timeline anymore, things are coming out every day and I kind of have to stay vigilant about staying on top of the job search. Hi, I am Megan Moffitt. I am a 3L at Howard University School of Law in Washington, D.C. I think the hardest part of looking for a job during the pandemic is just navigating the uncertainty around the economy. And so you're looking for a job without any assurance. However, I think what it has done for me personally, it's it's forced me to reach out to my network of foster relationships and to see if they've heard about any job postings or if they would be willing to make recommendations on my behalf. 
I've also been very consistent, though, in looking for positions not just provided through my school's career website. Um, I think that that whole process has kind of allowed me to find Howard alum in places I wasn't necessarily looking before the pandemic. And it's overall just like strengthened my network um, and has really allowed others to help mentor me through this process. Hey, I'm Joe Toth. I'm a 3L at the George Washington University Law School here in Washington, D.C. A lot of my friends, especially friends who are looking for public interest sector jobs, it seems just like the job worry is a constant dark cloud hanging over them, and it's all they, all they think about. And it seems that with so much uncertainty, even if they're doing all the right things, they're not getting the results that hardworking law students are, are used to getting and, and hope to get. We also ask the students to tell us how the pandemic impacts their strategy for finding a job. Hi, my name is Rebecca Falk. I'm a current 3L at the George Washington University Law School in Washington, D.C. I think it's widened my search a little bit, what's going on, because a lot of people I'm finding aren't really leaving their job, especially in the clerkship realm, um, because there's no other jobs for them to go to. So there's less spots available and there's more uncertainty with getting or staying in a position you might have already had a lead on. So even more people are flocking, trying to find those clerkships. So I think now I've broadened my search so that I'm looking at maybe a bunch of different levels of clerks and also a variety of government agencies and uh, even firms. So really a whole, the whole gamut of things. Hi, my name is Wynn Jordan. I just graduated from University of Richmond School of Law. And come January, I will be a first-year associate at Hughes, Hubbard, and Reed in Washington, D.C. But in the meantime, I'm doing a fellowship here in Richmond, Virginia with the Public Defender's Office. I've had to be more flexible and think law school attracts a certain personality type where it's somebody who's very organized and likes to know what's coming and likes to have a calendar. And you kind of have to throw all that out the window because of COVID, because nobody knows what the world is going to look like in the next three months. And so it's required a great deal of flexibility. I'm Sophia Diamond. I'm currently a 3L at the University of Richmond, and I'm also doing a full-time externship with Cisco through the fall. The pandemic has widened my search geographically, for sure. I'm optimistic that employers are going to remain flexible with remote work, since most of their staff has had to be remote for months already. I've done most of my work remotely even before the pandemic hit, so it's something I'm open to and something I enjoy. I'm also hoping we get a little silver lining out of this that maybe people will choose to live where they actually want to live and not just where they have to work. So I'm definitely looking at places outside of my normal geographic preferences. My name's Alex Johnson and I am a recent grad of the University of Richmond School of Law. When I was in school and the pandemic was in full force, I think everyone was certainly concerned about what the future would hold in terms of those offers we've received you know, several months prior, if they would still be there, if they would be delayed. There was certainly so much unknown with the bar exam, so that certainly contributed to start dates being pushed, different things along those lines. Of course, we had to ask these law students how their expectations for the bar exam have changed. 
my expectations change in that I don't really have expectations anymore for the par exam. I'm watching the news every day and seeing how different states are changing their plans and different groups are advocating for different solutions. I'm reminded of what an old uh, manager used to say, and he would preach the value of a sudden change mentality, which is while it's good to prepare for the most likely outcome, sometimes the situation changes in ways you can't control and it doesn't help you at all to feel sorry for yourself that you weren't prepared for it. You just need to embrace the change and react at a minute's notice. So I'm kind of preparing to get a last minute adjustment to whatever bar exam plans I carefully lay and just have to roll with it. The bar is notoriously a hard exam, Mm -hmm. but I think my expectations have changed and that I expect the exam to be harder with the added uncertainty because already we've seen states change the date of the bar exam like the day before the bar and the technology used has crashed for some um, states. And so even in a post-pandemic society, which I hope we will be by the time that I get to the bar, we may still experience some of these delays in administration of the exam, change in exam dates, et cetera. So that's definitely come into play in how I'm looking at the bar exam moving forward. As we'll hear from the career counselors later, some of the students are looking for silver linings or hidden opportunities. We ask them what they're looking forward to in the coming year. I think what I'm looking forward to is just finishing out this year strong. I feel like the class of 2021, we've all kind of pushed through so many of our darkest days with this virus and in this pandemic. So I'm excited to see all of my classmates and all of the lawyers of, or future lawyers of class of 2021 kind of exceed their own expectations for themselves and just kind of see where we all land. I think we, we all know that this is just an uncertain time. And so things are forever changing. They're always changing. So I think graduation for us will just be such an emotional and memorable moment. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to the end. This is my 3L year. So even though classes are online, I think that I have a little bit more time. Um, so I could really make the most out of my education. I am interning this semester for 20 hours a week in addition to my course load. So I think that's something that maybe I wouldn't have had the time to do if I had to commute to and from the office um, and couldn't have my classes kind of in the middle of a workday and separate my workday around them. So that's definitely a really big advantage in terms of school and getting to take my last core classes is exciting. Finally, we asked the students if they had one piece of advice to give for a current law student looking for a job, what would it be? Something I was told, and I think it was very valuable, was to really think beyond just necessarily maybe the, the firm or what you think you want to do. And, 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 of course, consider all of those things, but also really consider the culture and being able as much as you can to see if you can, in those beginning times when you're interviewing and going through multiple rounds of interviews, try to see, can I find a mentor? Do I feel like I have a potential mentor at this place? Because I think that's really important in this line of work. Some advice that I was personally given recently that I think is really helpful is that the job that you take right after law school doesn't need to be your job that you're going to have forever. So maybe not really focus on, oh, I need to know where my entire life path is going to take me, which is something I'm constantly guilty of. And being able to say, this is a job that fits me right now, really just focusing on finding something rather than the perfect thing. I think my one piece of advice would be that 
as I'm sure everybody knows, not every conversation you have is going to lead to a job. Not every person you meet is going to be able to connect you with someone else. But that doesn't mean that those conversations you have and those relationships you build are worthless. Networking can actually be kind of fun. Um, It can be really fun if you actually just want to get to know the person and get to know them in what they're doing, not what they can do for you. And so I just think having those conversations and really investing in those relationships is just incredibly worth doing. I think my advice would just be to utilize the people around you, make those connections, build that network and prepare, prepare, prepare. I say to know your strengths and play those up. Also get involved on on campus or your virtual campus. Volunteer to help those around you because those very positions that may start off as volunteer work or just, oh, I can help you out on this time or the weekends could very much lead to post-grad employment. One piece of advice I would give to someone looking for a job is just to stay committed to the process. Like I said, it's kind of all over the place. Jobs are coming up daily. And so just reminding yourself that although it can be exhausting at times, just to stay on top of it. And then don't count yourself out for any position. A lot of times, like I'll look at the job criteria and I'll be like, well, I maybe don't meet one of the things that they're asking for. And then I may not apply for that position. But I think it's important to just keep applying and stick to it and kind of just stay with it until hopefully a job opportunity comes your way. For someone in law school right now, I would encourage you to be creative and really go for the opportunities that you want. I don't think law students should look at their grades and automatically opt out of certain roles or even certain firms. Maybe you might not be able to get in the door the traditional way, but if you look really hard, there are definitely little side doors. They may be hard to find, and they might require some extra steps or a little extra hustle, but they can get you to where you want to go. So just don't sell yourself short. Uh, The worst you'll hear is no, so just go for it. We really enjoyed speaking with current students and recent grads from GW, Howard, and Richmond. We hope it will give our listeners a sense of what it feels like for folks entering the workplace. We were only able to include some of the comments on this episode, but I got to tell you, Chris, so much of what the students and recent grads said really resonated with me. I've taken a somewhat unusual career path myself that included a year at the London School of Economics after law school, but before I set out looking for a big law job. By the time I was applying for entry-level positions, the Great Recession was on the horizon and law firms were beginning to take a somewhat more conservative approach to hiring. I didn't have it as rough as some of the folks who were coming out of law school in 2010, 2011, or 2012, but I remember the anxiety that comes with looking for a job during uncertain times, and I can only hope that law students who are currently looking for jobs will have an easier path than some of the folks who came before them. In some respects, Kurt, I'd expect that's where law school career counselors and career service professionals come in, helping students navigate a difficult recruiting terrain, which really teases up our next segment nicely. As we mentioned up top, we were lucky to spend some time with career counselors from three outstanding law schools in the Mid-Atlantic region. Yeah, we had an excellent conversation with Janet Hutchinson, who is the Associate Dean for Career Development at the University of Richmond School of Law, Virginia Clark, who is a Senior Law Career Counselor at GW Law, and Lauren Jackson, who is the Assistant Director of Career Services at Howard University School of Law. Let's listen to the conversation. Janet, Virginia, and Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. 
We're really excited to include your perspectives on insecurities. As you know, we've spent some time talking with some of your current and former law students to get a sense of what the legal recruiting landscape looks like during the COVID-19 pandemic. We talked about some of the challenges they've encountered during their respective job searches, how the pandemic has changed their job search strategies, what they think of the bar exams, and we asked whether they found any silver linings in all of this. We're interested to get your takes on some of those topics too. So just like we did with the law students and recent grads, we wanna start by talking about some of the challenges for job seekers during a pandemic. So let's start by thinking about recent grads. Janet, I'm gonna ask you to kick us off and I promise I'm not picking on you just because you're on the faculty at my alma mater, the University of Richmond. But here's the first question. What would you say was the biggest challenge 2020 grads faced? Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I'd say the biggest challenge for grads this year was licensure. And certainly sitting for um, the bar exam is always something that is fraught with anxiety. But this year in particular, it really was a hurdle at a time that our graduates felt like they were right about to cross the finish line. So some of the challenges they faced were trying to determine whether or not their bar exam was going to go forward, whether it was going to go forward on time, uh, because it is like a a race to continue following that analogy. They want to make sure that they uh, are peaking their studies right at the right time. Some of them were thinking about taking a uniform bar exam that would allow them to waive into another uh, jurisdiction. And because of the COVID epidemic, some states decided that they were no longer going to be uniform. And so if you sat and you took it in that state, you wouldn't have the ability to waive in other places. In Virginia, folks still uh, sit in business attire. So ties were waived for gentlemen, but little else changed. It went forward on time in July in person. So students were worried about the level of COVID exposure they would face. Really, the questions there were endless. They were thinking about, for for folks who had jobs, how would the delay in other jurisdictions impact jobs they'd already secured? If they didn't have a job, how would the delay impact uh, their search? We have a lot of folks who are interested in being public defenders or being prosecutors or working with small firms or other employers that don't hire uh, until after they're licensed. So uh, while this time of year, we typically have all of our graduates through a bar exam, there's still folks who are waiting to take their first exam later in September or on into uh, October. So that was the sort of biggest challenge from my perspective. That actually came through in some of our conversations, both with recent grads and with the three L's. You know, I think that the anxiety about uh, actually sitting the, the bar exam in person from a health perspective, but also just questions about whether and when it's going to go forward. Uh, that, that is sort of running through the 2020 and you know, perspective 2021 grads. So I think you really hit it on the head there, Janet. But let's, uh, let's ask Virginia, what is the perspective at GW? What were 2020 grads struggling with? Well, thank you. And further to Janet's observation, the bar exam really is sort of the key to the rest of their professional lives. And the uncertainty that has arisen in every context, but most notably with the bar exam, the uncertainty that stretches across practice areas, practice settings, is an enormous, enormous concern for the the grads, 
for our three L's, which we'll get to later, but the job market evolves on a daily basis. But even beyond the bar concerns, if they can look beyond that aspect, job starts have been delayed. Most of the big firms have delayed starts until January, and it's not clear that everyone will go forward at that time, or if they do, what is the salary going to be? For many, many of our students, as for most attorneys, the license is necessary. You must pass the bar and be admitted before you can be hired for most federal, state, and local organizations. It's a requirement. So apart from gaining admission, the question is, are there going to be hiring freezes? If departments have furloughed half their staff, how can they be hiring us? There is the level of uncertainty, I think, is the biggest challenge. We have seen students develop very, very broad job search strategies by necessity. And so there's a concern about how to even shape your perspectives and your expectations for how to go forward. You know, these are some of the themes that came through in our conversations with students, particularly how they've they've had to shift their strategy and maybe look for jobs in other places or with other kinds of employers. Uh, So a really important point, Virginia. Lauren, what do you think was the biggest or some of the biggest challenges facing Howard's 2020 grads? Thank you. I mean, to add to what Janet and Virginia have already mentioned, our graduates are essentially facing the same challenges. One thing that, you know, I have noticed with the shift in the job strategy has been if start dates had been delayed or if maybe job offers unfortunately had to be rescinded, there may have been a shift of, okay, well, what are my opportunities with clerkships or fellowships? So, I think for grad for our 2020 grads, aside from the bar exam delays or anything of that nature, it's also the opportunity of, do I have another avenue that I may not have explored prior to graduation that may be available to me now? But, you know, I think Janet and Virginia really covered majority of what all of our students are pretty much facing right now. Let's stick with this theme of of some of the challenges that are in the current job market, but let's step back from the 2020 grads and focus instead on the current class of 3Ls, because the challenges may be the same in some respects, but they could also be different, even if it's just the level of, of anxiety that people are experiencing. But Virginia, let's start with you. What do you think are the challenges that are facing your rising 3Ls? As you mentioned, the anxiety, the uncertainties, do differ. And the three L's have had the spring and part of the summer, many of them, to adapt to that. And most of them have beautifully. It's an opportunity for them to address that anxiety and decide how to go forward. Again, the biggest challenge is how to adapt, where to look next, One of the areas in which I advise is state clerkships. And we have students interested in every jurisdiction. So I've seen an enormous uptick, enormous interest in state clerkship opportunities. Typically, I would not see a lot of that until late fall of the third year. Students have been actively engaging the three L's since the spring 
even though many, many states do not even post or anticipate their needs at that time. So there's, there's been the big concern about how to adapt, where to adapt, similar to the concerns of the graduates. There's also, and just briefly, um, a number of concerns about, am I in a practice area that is going to continue to thrive? Again, it's an area we don't know. We can look at practices. We can explore things that are experiencing growth, but it's, it's an ongoing conversation. So that is a challenge. They have not been able to lock down as many opportunities as they might have otherwise or anticipated doing by this point. It's all very good points. I mean, I think there's certainly something to this notion of having to break through your anxiety and become, uh, you know, a little bit more proactive and a little bit more flexible than what is required in, in an ordinary recruiting season. Lauren, give us your perspective. What's going on with your three L's at Howard? Sure. So it's an interesting time, right? Because by now, as Virginia mentioned, most of them may have already would have locked down what their postgraduate employment would have looked like. But even for us, uh, we've even had to change our recruiting schedule. So for example, by now, if there were firms that would have been interested in still hiring 3Ls, that recruiting schedule would have happened in the summer prior to the semester starting, but now it's been pushed back to January, February, and there may not even be an opportunity depending on firm budgets, for example, for our three else to join them. So I think if they were not necessarily at a firm this summer where they already received an offer, it's the anxiety of, okay, well, I thought I was going somewhere, but now I have to go back on the interview circuit and what does that look like for me, right? Mm -hmm. Right now we're in the thick of our public sector recruiting because, you know, fortunately or unfortunately for some, the public sector recruiting schedule hasn't changed. However, what we were finding with some of our, you know, normal employers that would have come, they're unsure of their budgets. So they can predict being able to, sponsor a 2L, but that 3L position that they normally would have been able to offer, they aren't able to do that right now. So our 3Ls, you know, are in the middle of it. What what do I do, right? What if I had my heart set on going into this particular agency or this department, and right now I don't have that what do I do? So there is the level of anxiety. There is also a level of creativity that I'm starting to see amongst our 3Ls, some who are connecting with our alum that may have started their own practices and exploring what that area may look like to helping those individuals. But it's still the uncertainty of, you know, if I've had my heart set on this particular path and now I have to change, well, now, how do I plan out for my plan A, plan B, or plan C, honestly, at this point? And the flexibility is, is absolutely key, especially when you're thinking about jobs that are you know, competitive in any environment. Um, now, some of them are just not there. So I, I'm glad to hear that, that some of your students are thinking outside the box. I'm sure that's also true at GW and at U of R, which leads me to, to Janet. I'll, we'll let you have the last word here on challenges facing 3Ls. What are you seeing at the U of R? In addition to the challenges that Virginia's students and Lauren's students are facing, I think our students are really trying uh, to figure out 
how it is to best make the alumni and employer connections with those employers that don't do sort of the proactive recruiting in this new virtual world. So our students are really accustomed to having the networking conversations, going to the chats, going to the bar meetings and those kinds of events. But in the absence of those events, just figuring out how to get comfortable with setting up their own uh, Zoom meetings. And is that a thing that is okay to do? We've been answering a lot of questions about that. Or is it a time that people are feeling overwhelmed, uh, right, that our alums are overwhelmed with all the other things that are going on with their lives, trying to do their jobs remotely, trying to homeschool their kids? <laughs> and so we've had a lot of conversations about, uh, about that. How do you do virtual networking well? So that's also a challenge they're facing. Yeah, Janet, and that's something that I know practitioners are struggling with as well. So <laughs> it's good, good to know that that's a top-to-bottom issue that we're all learning to deal with. You know, as we move to our next topic here, just to talk a little bit about the podcast, you know, Kurt and I always meet with our guests for a few minutes ahead of time before our recording, just to kind of run through what topics we might find. And and I think both of us were pleasantly surprised that, that all three of our guests this week were, you know, very focused on some of the silver linings or uh, potential opportunities that have come out of, you know, all of the issues coming around the pandemic for, for the students and and recent grads that they work with. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And, and so, Lauren, we'd like to start with you. What types of opportunities or potentially, uh, you know, changes in the environment are, are benefiting the three L's and, and the new hires coming from your school? For Howard students, so many more employers were seeking opportunities to get in front of our students and engage with them and present opportunities for them to join their place of employment. Right now, we, in our society today, right, we're dealing with COVID-19 issues as well as, you know, some other racial justice issues. And I think as employers now figure out what is, what is their place in these conversations, they're looking at Howard students like, oh, Yes, we have, you know, some of the best social engineers coming out of Howard. How do we engage them? So typically in-house counsel that may not have necessarily wanted to recruit with our students are setting up programs, um, setting up mentorship opportunities to create these pipelines for future to come. Um, Some of our alum in these law firm spaces, as well as agencies and nonprofits, have been advocating for their companies to start hiring at Howard as early as 1L summers, honestly. And so it's been a shift. And I think it's been a positive shift where we're able now to present more opportunities to our students that they may not have necessarily thought about prior to this. And it's great, right? Because now that we're getting on a larger radar, we can also do some collaborations throughout the year so that people understand the talent pool that we do have at Howard. So it's not necessarily just one group of students always getting their pick of the crop. Now we can circulate that throughout the broader Howard community. So it's been a great opportunity in some regards in that aspect. Lauren, that's that's a great point to take, especially with Howard's unique position. Virginia, what do you see as some of the opportunities being explored by by your students and recent grads? What we saw, and this, I guess, reflects in a way the outside employers and organizations considering more broadly, um, not just students, but issues and practice areas that become important. What we found was that we had students and recent grads 
whose expectations and job opportunities for the summer or beyond may have evaporated. And they pivoted and working with one another and with our department and with student and law school-led initiatives across the country really engaged in pandemic-related and social justice-related initiatives. There were any number of opportunities to do research, to volunteer, say, with the Small Business Administration. They needed people to help process some of the loan money that was coming out. There were organizations where students could build skills, the research, the analysis, the writing, sometimes oral presentations across a variety of topics that perhaps they had never considered. And so it was a, it's win-win and win again because they're exploring new areas that are very timely and that many of them felt deeply about but hadn't considered as a practice area or a job opportunity. And they really polished their skills. They met with people they may have never otherwise met. And it really, in some ways, was wonderful to see. It's a horrible situation. All of these opportunities grew out of a need, great needs. But I was very impressed and heartened because many of these projects have gone on with support of national organizations. So there's definitely been new opportunities um, that students and grads have identified. And I think that has really been, it's a, it's a very bright silver lining. I'm not surprised to hear, you know, students from all, all three of the law schools that we have on, on the podcast this week have really risen to those challenges, you know, not really putting their hands up and saying, woe is me, but, you know, finding ways to, to maneuver around uh, some of the issues that are coming, coming up this summer, you know, pandemic and otherwise, and, and being able to be responsive to those. Janet, you know, talk to us a little bit about what's going on in Richmond in, in a similar vein. What type of opportunities or potential benefits are there for, for students, uh, you know, facing these issues? One of the positives that we uh, saw this summer, which started out not so positive, a number of opportunities, uh, as Virginia mentioned, uh, evaporated uh, for students because of COVID. And so we did some outreach both to our faculty and asked them to be in touch with their contacts. And we did a good bit of alumni uh, outreach as well to find uh, alternative summer opportunities for our students. And we got an overwhelming uh, response. And uh, these opportunities that came about were opportunities for remote work. And a good number of them were with employers that uh, our students had not worked with in the past, public sector and private sector. A good number of uh, corporate in-house opportunities that were new to us, and the they were really wonderful experiences, both for the students and for the employers. Uh, we're about a week into the survey process for both students and employers to get more feedback about uh, what happened over the summer, but it turned out to be really, really wonderful on both ends. So, new opportunities, wonderful skill building. And the other thing that I am hopeful may come out of that, because now we have new exposure for the students and the law school to these employers, is that when the recruiting season opens up in late January, early February, 
for our two L's is that some of these employers who are now used to a virtual process, right, they did interviews virtually this summer, they had the students work virtually, I hope that they might consider looking to Richmond Law again for some summer talent. This is all very good to hear. And, and like Chris said, we were so pleasantly surprised to hear from all of you on our, on our planning call just how you were finding ways to see opportunities in, in all of this chaos and uncertainty. And, and I have to say, uh, I think your team's attitude of, of finding the glass half full, it seems to be resonating with your students, you know, for what it's worth, the ones that we talked to all seem to be, you know, very ready to talk about how they're finding new opportunities during the pandemic. So, I mean, well done to all of you and your teams, and, and thank you for, for flagging some of these, these issues for us today. I mean, I think it's, it's wonderful that the pandemic is forcing law firms and in-house teams to confront diversity issues. Uh, it, it's been a problem for far too long, and, and if this is the thing to help move that needle, maybe some good can come from it. I think it's wonderful that students are able to do meaningful work around social justice and other issues that are so important and that maybe they wouldn't uh, have the energy or the time to focus on them. Thank you, thank you for highlighting some of the silver linings. Let's pivot a little bit because I know, you know, we've talked about challenges, we've talked about opportunities, but no matter, you know, your perspective on what's going on, I think the common thread is that things are just different in this recruiting cycle and, and probably for the next couple. So, you know, Virginia, you talked a little bit, I think, about, you know, scheduling uh, Zoom calls or just some of the technical aspects, but what is so different about recruiting during the pandemic? And importantly, how are you preparing students to participate in the cycle given all of the upheaval? Well, yes, it's, I think it's perhaps been more of a challenge for those of us who are perhaps not as technologically savvy as our digital native students, but it is definitely a challenge. As you mentioned, all of the recruiting has shifted not just the time, but most of it has been and will continue to be online. So we've had to prepare not only our own platform for those uh, interviews, having those big OCI type programs online if necessary and the appropriate breakout rooms, but we've worked a lot with the students um, in terms of some of it is more generic information, tip sheets on how to navigate a telephone interview, a video interview. And then during the course of the semester, we have prepared a number of informational interview opportunities, networking practice with on Zoom, with breakout rooms, opportunities for them to engage in a more informal setting with a potential employer. And that really gives them a lot of confidence and it allows all of us to get a little more accustomed to the time delays how the waiting room, clicking in, clicking out works. There are any number of little things that could become bigger if you didn't know how to navigate them. And finally, I this is one of my personal favorites. Any student who's going to be having an interview, a video interview or a phone interview, we will do video mock interviews. I love doing those with my students. I like seeing the people that I'm talking to, but it's a chance for me to give them the same kind of real-time 
immediately after the fact, feedback as far as eye contact, body position, how you are coming across in addition to what you are saying. And I, I find those enormously helpful and the feedback I get from students is that they do too. So those are the ways that we have tried to prepare them as much as we can. It's really interesting and, you know, no surprise perhaps that some of, uh, some of the talking points relate to technical changes. You know, Janet, I remember working with the career services team when I was at U of R um, preparing for on-campus interviews and, and other interviews. I, I think the world probably looks a little different there too. So tell me, how are you preparing students for this recruiting cycle? We are doing many of the same things. Uh, lots of video mock interviews. We record the video mock interviews. And so if a student is interested, we can send them a copy of the recording. We are doing many of the same things with the tip sheets. But I'd say one of the most important pieces in addition to giving the student as much preparation as you can is just trying to make them feel comfortable. And so after we go through all of those pieces, I just really try to emphasize for them, don't panic. And I think that's something that we have learned since uh, last March, that despite our best laid plans, things still go wrong. And, and that's okay. <laughs> Even if the wheels fall off, in most instances, there is a way to salvage it. And we have all been in situations over the last several months where the doorbell rings or your kid runs through or something will go wrong, but it's taken off a bit of the shiny veneer and we've all come to be a bit more forgiving of one another. So you don't panic, you make the best of it, you apologize and you keep it moving, even if that has to be on the telephone, which was not your plan. Absolutely. Uh, and as you all now know, Chris and I have to do that sometimes <laughs> recording this podcast remotely. It goes much smoother when you're in a studio, but we're, we're, we're getting through it. Lauren, what about you? Um, how, how are you and your team at Howard preparing students for this recruiting cycle? Sure. So we do some of the similar things. However, um, one addition where we've kind of been training our students from the beginning, we have a program at Howard called Pathways to Success, which is kind of our version of professional development. So since the students have been back in school on um, Mondays and Wednesdays during their lunch hour, we give them the opportunity to get comfortable with this virtual world. So for example, on Monday, we had federal defenders from all over the country join our students on Zoom and get them comfortable with their screens being on, still showing up to the programs professionally dressed, still learning how to network with the defenders that were in the Zoom call, right? So that's one way that we kind of start building their confidence since we've all had to adjust to this virtual space. Getting them comfortable with coming to programs in our minds, we feel like, okay, that may translate when it's time to do interviews because you've already known how to show up in a virtual setting. Uh, and for Howard, our career offices is very small, actually. So it's just myself and our assistant dean of career services. So we tap into our alumni. For example, next week, we're hosting a virtual you know, mock reception where we have about 15 alum who are going to join us to help 
give feedback to the students um, on their networking skills virtually and to give them tips and suggestions for when it's time for their mock interviews with other Hustle alums. So that's one way we've been getting our students prepared as well as engaging people who are already in these workspaces and may have been conducting interviews to give them tips on what they should see, what they should do, and how they should prepare. As listeners of the podcast know in, on insecurities, we usually like to close out our discussions with a little bit of a look into the future or looking at our crystal ball to see what's coming down the road. You know, in this case, we, we want to hear from all of our guests regarding what the future of law school recruiting looks like. You know, you guys have all talked about issues, challenges and opportunities in the summer of 2020 and into even, you know, some discussion of, of next year as well. But will the effects of this pandemic have a long tail? Is this going to last beyond kind of current law school students and maybe folks who are looking to enter law school in, in the coming years down the road? Or are there things that will never go back to normal, whatever that normal is? Janet, what, what's your feelings on those topics? Oh, I need my tarot cards today. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> so this is interesting. I see some similarities and I see some differences, right? In terms of differences, I, you know, different drivers, the financial collapse versus the pandemic. Although I'll say before COVID, both on the employer side and the school side, I think some of us had started to talk a little bit from a natural timing perspective about making preparations to be recession ready. It is different that employers, at least as far as I can see from the outside looking in, have taken a little bit of a different approach, a more measured approach on the salary side with uh, more reductions than cuts. As I read the news, I can see that some of the salary cuts are being uh, restored. On the similarity side, uh, at least at Richmond, we've seen a small uptick in our first year class size at this stage, really small. But that is one of the things that we saw in the 2008 recession, a couple of years of uptick in class size. So I think that the worst may not be here yet. You know, I think the 2020 class was able to squeak by, but the 2021 class may face a really, really challenging uh, time on the job search market. It took a few years in 2008. It was 2012 and 2013 before we saw the most devastating uh, impact, at least in terms of ACRAD and 10-month employment numbers. So that's what I'm guessing at this we'll, stage. We'll have to do a, a video podcast to check those tarot cards. Uh, down the road. <laughs> we sure will. Maybe another episode. Uh, Lauren, uh, what do you think the lasting impacts here are going to be, uh, you know, in your experience as well as, you know, from Howard's perspective? I echo everything Janet and her tarot cards have already <laughs> stated, but, you know, I, I foresee on a grand scheme of things, we are still going through what will unfortunately be the worst of it all. But on a positive note, again, you know, now that more for our Howard students, particularly now that we are, we are on more people's radars long-term partnerships I think will be beneficial for our students access to more mentors um, not just from our network but outside of our network will be an opportunity for them and 
again, the ability to be creative, right? So, you know, I have more students talking to me, okay, well, what does entrepreneurship look like in the legal field if I can't necessarily find a job? So, you know, while unfortunately, I think we still have some ways to go before we bounce back, I do see a new wave of legal entrepreneurs coming in different fields, whether it be, you know, in IP or in family, um, because those seem to be two hot markets that our students are interested in, you know, hitting the ground running with their own practices. So I'm hopeful in that regard and just, you know, hope we get there on the bright side soon. (laughs) Yeah, we're definitely with you on that, that optimism and and you guys haven't heard it yet, but the quotes we have from the students we interviewed are reflective of that optimism as well. So, you know, Virginia, we'd love to hear your take on, on how GW views, uh, you know, the current state and how long that'll last and, and what some of the things that are changing for maybe not for the better, but for good are related to, to this year's recruiting cycle. I think we are all working from the same deck of tarot cards. Uh, so thank you, Janet, for sharing those. I am in absolute agreement that we can be cautiously optimistic but I do not think we even know what the shape of this is going to be, what the future of it is going to be. It is a, it's a different kind of change than we had in 2008, 2009. But there are definitely, as both Janet and Lauren mentioned, opportunities to identify new paths, whether it's a directly legal practice or not, Um, We have also seen an uptick. Our incoming first year class this year is noticeably larger. I think we were somewhat surprised um, to see that increase, but at least initially so far, the students are incredibly engaged and intentional in their decision to be here at this time, learning this thing that they are undertaking. The legal market is changing the opportunities right now. They are moving forward again a little bit, but again, we don't know. Janet mentioned that employers, larger firms especially, who had cuts, made salary cutbacks are returning those. The effects, other positive effects, I think, that we're going to see, and I guess there are a couple of big ones. One is that We are long overdue, I think, for an overhaul in the way the legal system and the legal practice system is set up in this country. And in 2008, things did shift a little bit. This shift started, but it's like turning a battleship in a bathtub. It's a really tedious, time-consuming, and delicate process. So we are seeing avenues open for addressing larger, not so much the policy of how you practice law, but the ways that you can practice. One of the big drivers here is the recognition, and this is different than 2008, that we can do a lot of this remotely. We do not have to be in the office face-to-face And yes, there are definitely challenges with trying to remain engaged when you are remote, when everybody is remote. But the opportunity to serve your clients and to even to file electronically, these are all big steps that were not necessarily available to practitioners or students 
in the 2008, 2009 and following years. And as Lauren mentioned, we are seeing at GW and I think across the country, an increased interest in alternative JD type careers. And that is on top of you know, the increased interest in broader policy areas, education policy, um, health policy. So there are areas that are opening up and we have a better way to practice now because we can utilize the technologies that we perhaps as an industry have been reluctant to use in the past. I think that's definitely going to be one of the takeaways across all industries and, and focuses, whether in school or, or professionally, our ability to interact and, and get things done without needing to be in the same room, although maybe never equal to, to being together, will definitely be relied upon in, in times of need going forward. So uh, that's a great point and, and a great, great way to look ahead as we look to end this episode. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Insecurities Podcast. And a special thanks to our guests, Virginia Clark from the George Washington University Law School, Janet Hutchinson from the University of Richmond School of Law, and Lauren Jackson from Howard University School of Law. Also, a big shout out to the seven three L's and recent grads who gave us some great insight into how they're viewing the workplace environment today. I really enjoyed the conversations, Chris, and I I don't know about you, but I'm going to take away the sense of optimism we got from the students and the career counselors. Be flexible, lean on your networks, and just go for it. Some really great advice. Yeah, I was amazed at just how thoughtful uh, everyone was, especially when facing what what might be a a once-in-a-generation disruption. So kudos to those law schools for, for preparing their students for these uncertain times. As always, we want to hear from you regarding your thoughts, comments, and potential topics for discussion on future episodes of Insecurities. Please use the hashtag InsecuritiesPod on Twitter or LinkedIn to join the conversation. As always, you can find me at CPA, And I'm at Enforce underscore Update. Be well, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Insecurities, a podcast from PLI, the Practicing Law Institute. PLI is a nonprofit provider of authoritative professional services training and continuing education. In an increasingly complex business environment where intricate corporate structures reign, Insecurities can help you make sense of it all. A special thanks goes to the producer of Insecurities, Daniel Pinitz, as well as hosts Chris Ekimoff and Kurt Wolf. For more information about PLI's SEC Institute, or to view hundreds of hours of fresh and relevant on-demand programming covering changes within the security sector, visit pli.edu membership and sign up for a privileged membership. These recorded materials are designed for educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal, audit, tax, consulting, business, financial, investment, or other professional advice, and it does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please consult a qualified professional advisor before taking any action based on the information herein. Furthermore, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individual participants. PLI, Troutman Pepper, and RSM do not make any representations or warranties, express or implied, regarding the contents of this podcast. Users of this podcast may save and use the podcast only for personal or other non-commercial educational purposes. No other use, including without limitation, reproduction, retransmission, or editing of this podcast may be made without the prior written permission from PLI.